0: This is a Radio.com original. Set the record straight, I dated Burt Ward maybe for like two weeks, one minute.
1: Two weeks for him!
0: It was for him, but he wrote a biography, autobiography, and he said that some blonde in a space program chased him with an ax. Chased
2: chased him with an ax?
0: Yeah, he, 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 he could be so lucky.
2: everybody, and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities, car personalities, and more. I'm Randy Cardoon. This week, we continue with part two of my talks with the stars of the original TV show Lost in Space that aired on CBS during the 1960s, and also actor Joey Lawrence, who also was at the Hollywood show near LAX. But first... Here we go as uh, our good friend and occasional co-host, Hot Rod Bob Beck, joins us for another Talking About Cars news. And we're starting off with the Corvette. When we record this, we are just about the time at the point where Chevrolet is going to introduce the mid-engine Corvette. But what we can do is look back at where the Corvette has been. And Bob happens to be a Corvette aficionado. Yes, I am. You and your wife have not one, but two Corvettes.
1: That's right. We do. And, uh, you know, we've got Tupperware cars.
2: Tupperware cars.
1: Well, yeah. You see, we moved a while back, and I packed up the kitchen for her. And in the kitchen, I labeled one of the boxes Corvette parts. And she said, what kind of Corvette parts do we have in the kitchen? I said, Tupperware. They're plastic. (laughs) Ho, ho!
2: Ho, Thank you. Bob Beck, ladies and gentlemen. He'll be here
1: all show. Well, at least some of the show.
2: Now tell everybody what Corvettes you have.
1: I've got a 1989 C4 Corvette and a 2001 C5. The C5 is my wife's car and the C4 is my car. That is, she lets me drive her car.
2: Occasionally.
1: Okay, well, almost all the time now, because we got her an everyday car, so I got the hand-me-down Corvette.
2: Now, by C4 and C5, we're talking body design?
1: Gen- yeah, generations. Uh, the fourth generation Corvette came out in 1980. Late 83 is an 84 model, and the C5 came out, it followed in 1997.
2: And they didn't have an 83.
1: No, there was no 83. They they made 50 pilot cars or test vehicles, but none of them got sold to the public. They were having some issues. They didn't, didn't get them straightened out in time to release the car to the public. There is one on display right now at the Corvette Museum in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And it doesn't differ very much from the production car, except for the wheels were smaller and a different style.
2: So let's go back to the beginning, because the first generation cars were basically, uh, when they came out, to about 1955.
1: Well, they first introduced it at the New York Auto Show at the Waldorf Astoria in 1953. There were three models shown. There was a Corvette that was a Roadster. There was a Corvair. That was actually the same body, but with a fastback design. And then there was a station wagon they called the Nomad. As we know, the uh, Corvair ended up being the compact car coming out in late 1959. as a 1960 model. The wagon, well, it came out of a 55 Chevrolet top-of-the-line station wagon, a two-door sport wagon. So those cars never made it to production as Corvette-bodied cars, but the Roadster did. And the idea at that point in time was it had a lot of the features – that the European sports cars had. It had an inline engine. And a lot of the imports at that point in time were coming from Britain. The Jag had an inline, but a twin cam six cylinder. Austin Healy's were still doing well four cylinders they were in produ- getting ready to go into production on but the MGs and the Triumphs and such and the Singers all had four cylinders but inline engines so Generous Motors in their instru- you know, infinite wisdom said well we'll do an inline we've got this one and uh, let's see the imports have side draft carburetors we'll put some side draft carburetors on it and we'll get 150 horsepower out of that that was more than an MG or a Triumph had but not necessarily what Americans wanted in a car that size. The car was made out of fiberglass. They handmade each body. They were hand laid up. They used matte. The guys squeegeed out the, the fiberglass. So It was a 6 cylinder, the Blue Flame 6, which was the same basic engine that was in the savans except for the carburation, and a little bit hotter camshaft. They bumped it up in 54 to 155 horsepower, but that still really wasn't enough, because the only transmission you could get was a two-speed power glide. So that wasn't very sporty. No one drove a sports car then with an automatic transmission. No one even offered a sports car with an automatic transmission. But Chevrolet decided that's what they were going to do, and the, the manual transmission wasn't available until 1955, when they finally came out with a 265 cubic inch V8. Same body style, but just a 265 V8 as the engine. Now, the the downsides to the Corvette in those days, there were no door handles. You had to reach inside to unlatch the door. There was no side windows, so you weren't really weather protected. There were curtains, much like an MG or a Triumph had at that period in time, but not the typical American roll-up windows. There were two options, a radio and a heater. You really didn't get to choose because they were already there. And if you wanted, you could have any color you needed, except they all came in white and red. So you had a white interior or white exterior with a red interior. Sounds
2: like Ford. You can have any Ford you want and any color you want, as long as that color is black.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if it was the, uh, the the sales department, engineering department deciding that white was the only color they were going to have because, you know, first-generation fiberglass cars, they, they weren't the straightest, and they set, tend to settle. And I don't know if the white was intended to hide some of the imperfections in the body or not, but in 55, they had colors. So... Who knows what their uh, train of thought was at that point in time.
2: So that moved on. And by the way, the Nomad, for those of you who probably already know this, is the fact that that first Nomad design eventually went to Chevrolet in 1955. And Chevrolet said, this is great. I want it. And then Pontiac came around and said, "Uh, excuse me, we want one, too. And there was this big hubbub at General Motors as to whether or not they were going to get it. And eventually they said, "Okay, so Pontiac got one, Chevrolet got one. But Chevrolet's over the long run was obviously much more popular. In fact, Pontiac, they called them the uh, two-door custom safari wagon. That was actually the most expensive Pontiac you could get in 1957 until they came back later with the... uh, well, the fuel injection system and the Bonneville. The Bonneville started in 1957 as well, So, as a convertible. So that's kind of how the Nomad situation worked out, and uh, Pontiac having something similar. And, and they were only there for those try 5 years.
1: Yeah, and the strange thing about it is, if you look at history, and it's happened to Pontiac a number of times, Pontiac beat everyone to the punch with the GTO. And a GTO is worth a lot of money in comparison to a Chevelle. But... The Chevelles were more plentiful, and the larger engine Chevelles are worth more than the equivalent GTO. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and same thing with the Firebirds. Although the Firebird came out shortly after the Camaro did and had a much bigger engine lineup. You had a 400 cubic inch motor in the Firebird, which the biggest you could get in the Camaro was 396, and that was kind of an afterthought. But even the base engine, the Pontiac was an overhead cam six-cylinder, where Chevrolet still had the pushrod overhead valve. But find a Pontiac Firebird with a six-cylinder, and then find one at, at a good, you know, at a high price, you know, see what they're selling for. And they're for some reason, uh, the Pontiac just didn't keep up price-wise and popularity-wise. I think Chevro- at-
2: Chevrolet was really, though, the people's car if you look at it that way. You know, yeah, it was
1: a low-price car. The Pontiac yeah. was a mid-range car.
2: Right. Exactly. Even though they worked off basically the same bodies for years.
1: Yeah, yeah, they was just trim options, basically, and then minor uh, uh, taillights were different and hood ornaments were different. Pontiac had that beautiful chrome strip coming down the hood and down the trunk in some years that just uh, really looked cool. The first generation actually is all the solid axle cars. So up until 1962... They were all called C1, or first-generation Corvettes, and the, the distinction is the solid rear axle. In 1963, with Duntoff involved now, they went to the independent suspension. Now, Duntoff became involved with the, the V8 changeover to the Corvettes early on when sales were lagging, but the the real C2 generation starts with the 63 Corvette and lasts until 1967. In 68, they came out with the Mako Shark design. And that was the T tops and the, the sharper lines and looking more like the show Mako Shark that they had that uh, Bill Mitchell had commissioned early on. They, that stayed in production through 1982 with minor changes. They got the rubber baby vacuum bumpers and the bigger <laughs> rear wheels or uh, bigger rear, rear window. You've driven one of those wheels. before? Yeah, yeah. It is, I, uh, one for a while.
2: I had a chance to do that and all I remember was how low to the ground I was. Yeah. And uh, how my I expected my butt to scrape, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, we were so low and, and and now of course that would never happen unless there was a real problem with rust or anything, but no, but it was the way it, you, you sat in right. the car, it was uh definitely lower than most uh Corvettes or any sports car at the time.
1: Well, and you really didn't have to worry because fiberglass didn't rust, so you, you wouldn't have fallen through. It would be all right. But this is like this, the Mako Shark design stayed in production through 1982 with a lot of changes. They went to fuel injection finally. Corvette stopped the mechanical fuel injection early in the or mid-1960s, then came back with electronic fuel injection, but to meet emissions. And they had what was called crossfire. It was two throttle bodies, set on top of a cross ram style intake manifold on the latter year of the c3 corvettes
2: see i told you bob is a corvette aficionado (laughs) this is one of the few times he and i will talk that i'll just shut up and let him go (laughs) wind him up let him go and this is fine exactly
1: there we go exactly yeah now and the c4 for only the first year had that crossfire After that, they went to a multi-point or a real fuel injection system with an an individual injector for each cylinder. And that has stayed and progressed and improved over the years. And then the LS series replaced the vulnerable small block that was introduced basically in 1955. That basic architecture stayed in production in cars, in Corvettes, especially through the LS series engines that came out in the, the later C3 or C4s and all the C5s and forward, and they're going to continue to use that engine in the new C8 coming out, but they're going to call it an LT2 because it's going to be mounted in the mid section of the car.
2: Yeah, and we'll be which... talking about a lot about that car when it officially gets uh, introduced, and we'll be uh, chatting about that. I think next week in our uh, next yeah. talking about cars. So, so the progression of ch- the progression of the Corvette. Uh, have you been satisfied, and and some of the people you know in the Corvette clubs have you been? Have they been satisfied with the progression of how that car has developed over the years, and how do you think they're going to take to the new Corvette?
1: Well, the, the thing I see, and and you and I are car enthusiasts. If it's a car, it's got wheels. We love it. And improvement and and changes as cars get older seem to be better. I like every incarnation of the Corvette. Always have. I saw the first Corvette when I, when I was a kid, uh, going to my first auto show my uncle took me to in 1960 at the uh, Pan Pacific Auditorium here in Los Angeles. And the Corvette, which was at that time was the race car that uh, Bill Mitchell had commissioned, that was a real swoopy. It ended up becoming the basis for what was the C2 or cars, the Stingrays. And a lot of those body features on it. But that was the first thing I saw walking in the door. And at that point on, I knew what a Corvette was, and I never forgot. Uh, later on in life, I got a chance to drive the car of the year car, which was a Corvette, the C4. And that sold me. I, I, I had to have a Corvette at that point, and I eventually got one a few years later. But uh, you look, you talk to the people, and you, and you look on the message boards for the Corvettes, and the average owner of a Corvette now it's not young and enthusiastic. They're old, and they're set in their ways. And they're one of the biggest huh? complaints I'm hearing, what? I'm hearing, What? Yeah, I know. I one don't know what you're talking I'm, about. Go ahead. You see there, But one of the things I've heard is, well, it hasn't got round taillights. It's got Camaro lights. It hasn't had round taillights in years. But what difference does that make? It's a new car. It is a new design. It has progressed. It is going to be the best GT car on the market. It's going, to be, it's going to be better worldwide than anything else, and for half the price of a Ferrari, a cheap Ferrari. And you're going to be able to have a car that's going to be as good as, if not better, than the best supercars in the world. Hmm. And you've got to compare it to a McLaren. You've got to compare it to a Ferrari, the uh, Maseratis and so forth, the uh, Lamborghinis. That's the class this new mid-engine car is going to be in.
2: And that's and the, really the world, too, that uh, yeah. cars are going. Cars are going for what's popular, what's unique, what's yeah. more stylish. And where the Corvette has been, while it's great, it isn't necessarily where the future is going to be. And I think that's where a lot of people are kind of coming to grips with what's going on here.
1: Yeah, it's not going to be a retro car. Chevrolet has never built a retro Corvette. They've always improved upon and changed the Corvette. Yeah, but they did build
2: a retro Camaro.
1: Yeah, they did. And you and I love that car so much... (laughs)
2: <laughs> but the, well, I take my claustrophobia medicine all the time. Anytime you know, I get in one, it's it's just completely, oh, my God, the roof is too low. And, and why why do the side windows, why are they so, why are they as big as, like, little slots that you look through yeah. if you're driving a tank?
1: No, slots. That's what they are. You <laughs> drop the letters through them. Exactly. Yeah, and, yeah, and if you talk to the Mustang guy, she ask them what they think of the new co- Camaros. They say, well, I haven't seen one since second gear. Hello. Woo. But that's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, the Corvette is a whole new car. There is nothing carried over. There is nothing that emulates a car of the past. And, and the round tail light thing—I love that argument. That is so foolish. If you think about it for a second, that was a Chevrolet trademark, not a Corvette trademark. Starting in 1958, or 19—yeah, 1958—round taillights were a norm for Chevrolets. The cats eye on the 59 was different but when they came back with the the, the 1960 model they were back to round tail lights.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And every full size Chevrolet until 1966 had round tail lights. Corvairs had round tail lights. Corvettes had round tail lights. It was a Chevrolet design feature around taillight.
2: All right. Well, we're going to be talking about that here in uh, future talking about cars. Bob, we appreciate you coming by, uh, joining us for talking about cars news as we get a chance to take a look back at some of the Corvettes. That are uh, certainly exciting and uh, have been uh, big favorites over the years. And, of course, the new one's coming up, and we'll be chatting about that the next couple of weeks. Now it's time for part two of our interviews with the original cast members of Lost in Space. Last time you may remember, Bill Mooney and Angela Cartwright talked with us about some of their car stories. And one thing I asked Bill if he ever piloted the Jupiter 2 and other vehicles from the TV show. He told me, of course. However, if you haven't heard it, check out the podcast number 152. It's right there. So I figured it's fitting that I asked Angela, who played Penny Robinson in the old TV show, the same thing. Did you ever get a chance to pilot any of the vehicles from Lost in Space?
3: Nope. 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 Never did? Never did. Why not? I wasn't really old enough. I was only 13. Yeah,
2: but Billy got a chance to drive a bunch of things.
0: But then he was a renegade. That's why he took off (laughs) Ah. without permission. Penny
2: Penny didn't do that. Thank <laughs> you. Angela Cartwright, obviously a victim of the times. Kind of wonder if Lacey Chabert ever piloted the Jupiter 2 or any of the other spacecraft as Penny Robinson in the nineteen ninety eight TV show Lost in Space. I don't believe so. All right, now let's move on. The actor that played older sister Judy Robinson, Marta Kristen. Also, was at The Autograph Show? Bill Mumi in fact, suggested Marta join our
4: car conversation. We could talk to Marta about Volvos. She's had Volvos for a long time. You're a Volvo person?
0: I'm a Volvo person. I've had four.
4: Really? In a row? In a row. Dour oh Swede, God. you know.
0: Dour Swede. I'm not a dour Swede. I made the mistake of saying that about my my heritage this Yes, a dour, sweet. Down ever.
2: Apparently, you say things between you three that many don't live down.
4: Fifty-four years of a relationship will do. We have these little touch words. That's all we have to say. Okay,
2: just to get this straight, because I didn't read the book, you didn't date Marta.
4: No, I didn't date Marta. Oh, he I'm said much too old. Ward at the time. You were dating Bert Ward.
0: Burt Ward is getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame.
4: Nothing pisses me off more than that. I gotta tell you something. Burt Ward was the was was not well liked on the lot.
0: And they discontinued it right before you know Danny Thomas ended.
4: And Rusty Hamer has a star on the Walk of Fame. Where's my star on the Walk of Fame? Rusty Hamer.
0: Oh, he should have a star. I should have a star. Why don't
4: you have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? I'm not the person you should be asking that to because but you realize how you get a star. You Well, it is Johnny Grant, I would have gotten one if if I'd asked for one when Johnny Grant was around. Now, I think you just have to have somebody cough up 35 grand and be in something that isn't completely prehistoric.
2: I think it's basically money, isn't it?
4: It is, but I don't you still have to be approved and somebody has to cough up the dough. I mean, it's not like I'm campaigning, but when I heard that about Burt, that, I gotta tell you, Eileen will tell you, I I was like, what? To set the record straight, I dated Burt Ward maybe
0: for like two weeks, one minute. Two weeks for him. It was for him. But he wrote a biography, autobiography, and he said that some blonde in a space program chased him with an (laughs) ax. Chased,
2: you, chased him with an axe.
0: Yeah, if he, he 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 could be so lucky,
4: right? I Heard you refer to him as the boy wonder. <laughs> hello, ho, <hello>. bam, <laughs> zow, zam, zowie,
2: wow. Marta, as long as I have you here, tell me what was your first car?
0: My first car was a 1957 Ford convertible. It was hot. It was it was mint green and white. And um, it was quite spectacular. I was going to Hollywood professional school at the time. And to be a? Oh, not to be a, I was.
2: Oh, oh professional school because you were an actress. I was yes, an
0: actress. Okay. And so I had to go to a high school where you know, there were professional. They, they allowed for the times that you would have to be on set. And um, so I, I was a bit of a scamp and um, I w- we would go to um, what's it dupars i think i yes yes and uh yeah I'd drive in and um, one time my girlfriends and i uh, glued all of the uh, uh, all of the uh, dishes onto the tray for <laughs> where the car hop you know would come and, and so we but it wasn't just glue, it was that super kind of glue, you'd mix them and... Yes. Yes.
2: We you. We
0: were, and, and so when we watched her shake off, try to shake off <laughs> all of the, the glasses and the dishes off of the tray, and she couldn't do it, she looked at us, and we were forever banned uh, from, from that restaurant, but so rapscallion, rapscallion it was. Uh, then my second car was an MG Midget. Do you remember those? I do. That was a sporty little car, except I'd never driven a four on the floor. And I, you know, destroyed... Made a
2: lot of noise.
0: I, I, I destroyed it going uphill, you know, and like, you know. I'd try and downgrade, to, downshift to a second, and yes. I couldn't do it, and I'd still be in third going up. You know.
2: That's I, not good, no.
0: No, no. I've, Did
2: anybody teach you how to, like, shift?
0: <laughs> I had taught myself. Really? But, but apparently not very well. I see. Yeah, yeah. Was
2: this in the time that you were still doing Lost in Space, or?
0: Yes, it was. So
2: nobody on the uh, nobody in the cast would explain to you how to shift.
0: No, no one explained. It. No one explained it. But that was all right. My next car was a Volkswagen. Um, Little little those little sedan, not sedan um Square back? Little, little square back, yes. The fastback
2: or that. the little No,
0: just the little it looked like a little box.
2: Yeah, so okay, so it was a station wagon.
0: Yes, it was a station wagon, small, very small station wagon. Yes. I loved that car. I loved that car. It was beige with a dark brown interior. I drove that for years and years and years. and, and that was also a stick shift. But by then I had learned how to use a stick. Yes.
2: That's good to know, especially yeah. if you're, you're the transmission of the Oh
0: Yes, exactly.
2: Uh, what's in your garage right now?
0: My, my husband passed away, and I inherited his uh, Prius. And I'm still making payments on it. Uh, it's a very fancy Prius, if there can be such a thing. I
2: was going to say, <laughs> I'm trying to visualize that now.
0: Well, uh, I, I sold my Volvo Turbo. Volvo. Uh, for which I got many tickets um, driving and I I would fight them of course. Yes. And I remember one judge saying to me, "You were doing what in a Volvo station wagon?" <laughs> and that station that station wagon was white and I called it a blanc mange, which means you know, it's a white meringue. Yes. I mean it was it was just a little, little square white car. But but the, the one that I would get so many tickets on was is silver. It was a beautiful car. It was like driving in your living room. I felt safe. Uh, I, I felt like I was driving a tank. Yeah. And that's what I called it, my tank. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great it was a great car. Well
2: speeding in a Volvo and just the art of doing it is probably illegal in seven states. You realize <laughs> Only seven? <laughs> well, there may be eight. I know there was some issue, you know, down party lines.
0: My dream is to go to Sweden and go to Gothenburg and buy a Volvo there, a station wagon, and then tour Europe, you know. But uh, I, I don't know whether they still make them And
2: I was just going to say, I mean, well, Ford used to own it. Yes. And then they kind of... Sold it, and I don't remember. uh, I'm not quite sure who has it now. I haven't kept track. We're making
0: them in Mexico. I know for a long time.
2: See, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. wrong. How do you have a Volvo and you say it's kind of like having a Mercedes-Benz and you like make them in Canada?
0: I yeah, well, or Taiwan or or Taiwan. No, it's wrong. You're you're right. It's absolutely wrong. But I think I'm pretty sure my car, my last. Volvo turbo was made in Sweden yeah it was a beautiful car solid and I sold it to a teenager god forbid <laughs> and I still see
2: it millennial side so what can yes. I say
0: and I still see it near me uh, it's only a walk away a walking distance away so um, yeah So. My, you still
2: see it, so it's I'm on your still, block.
0: It, it's it's near me, and, and my heart beats quickly when I see it. So
2: do they cha- make any changes like, uh, you know, put super shocks on it, <laughs> raise it up and put knobby tires or something? Uh,
0: no. No, they stayed true to it. Yes, indeed.
2: Everybody has a list. The yes. top ten list of cars you want someday. Now, I'm not going to ask you for ten. Give me okay. two. Give me two. Top cars that's on the Marta Kristen I want that car someday list.
0: I want a Tesla. Sedan, love. I've never seen anything more beautiful. Oh well, I did see um, last night. uh, They I went to this uh, volunteer dinner, thank you appreciation dinner, and it was like they had Dick Dale and the Deltones playing, and they had an opal.
2: An opal. Oh
0: man, that was a, a. a machine of beauty, made in Germany.
2: Are we talking the Opel GT that looks kind of like a mini Corvette?
0: Yes. Oh, what an exquisite car. Now, I would take that. Oh, I forgot to tell you about my Ford Mustang. Oh, okay,
2: 1965 go ahead.
0: 65 Ford Mustang V8 engine. It was so fast that I would constantly be getting, uh, you know, uh, burning tires and and um, no. So that basically,
2: you're you're a speed demon in that car.
0: I was. I, it was a dangerous car for me. I, I forgot know. about that one. That was the '60s. So yeah.
2: That was also while you were on Lost in yes, Space. Yes. it was
0: on. It was while I was on Lost in Space. You got
2: yourself into all sorts of trouble with money from I, Lost in Space, I, didn't I you? I
0: did. I did. I should not. I should never have had that car. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah. Especially in 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 uh, rain because you know with that much power in a, such a small car you fishtailed like crazy it was a dangerous car for me
2: how long did you uh, have that car
0: oh only a couple of years i decided it was too dangerous
2: what did you trade it in on
0: i believe i traded it in for the Volks, Vol, volkswagen
2: oh, well that's a come down <laughs> right that there was
0: a, <laughs> wow. but i sort of felt i said no i have to change my car but frankly that was probably not that was, frankly, probably not as safe as as, as the the Ford, I the see. Mustang, but, you know, it is
2: what it is. Well, you are a thrill seeker, Marta, Kristen. I just, uh, <laughs> you, uh, you with your vehicle. So, of all the cars you've had, if you had a chance to get one back, what would it be?
0: Well, probably the Ford Mustang. Yeah.
2: You know there's only a few of them around. You could probably get one.
0: There are only a few. I'd probably go back to Detroit. That's where I was, grew up, you know. So, the the city of cars.
2: Actress Marta Kristen, who played Judy Robinson on Lost in Space. Now it's time to switch gears and change the channel and talk with actor Joey Lawrence. You know Joey. You may remember him from the TV show Blossom. He also was in a show called Brotherly Love, where he co-starred with his younger brothers, Matthew and Andrew, where they played, what else, brothers and most recently was in Hawaii 5 which also happens to star Andrew as uh, one of the guys who dealt with forensics. Joey's a busy guy. He has five projects underway, according to IMDb. In fact, I caught up with Joey, and I started off with the first vehicle he was allowed to drive. Not his first car, but the first vehicle, and he brought up a rather unique one.
3: First car, well, my very first car was the uh, family um, Pontiac Transport minivan which was uh, well ahead of its time and honestly should have never existed. Uh, It had that cab forward design that was uh, (laughs) absolutely insane. You could actually put a mattress in the space between the steering wheel and the front of the windshield. Um, Hideous design, but at the time, man, we thought that was, and we had had the, um, the sport model. So it had all that body cladding, you know, that was clad in white with the white wheels. At the time, I mean, 1992. This this thing was like the bomb, right? So, but I didn't want to drive it. I was forced to drive that, um, and I had to drive that for six months before I could get my own car. The first car that I bought was a 1993 300ZX uh, Twin Turbo. Quite a difference with the t-tops, black on black, with the Bose sound system, and it was insane.
2: So this was the first car you drove was actually the folks' car.
3: It was, it was my. It was the family minivan. Yeah. yeah did. I, my mom made me do that, get my feet wet. Um, I had to drive that to the mall. It was humbling. And, uh, you know, I did it because I was able to drive by myself. But that was it was crazy for six months. Yeah. Yeah. So was that the first car
2: you were able to buy with a uh, paycheck from whatever TV show you were on oh, at the sure. time? For sure.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And then I had several and went through a ton of cars and I've had several cars. But that was the that was the first one. Yeah. So what do you have in your garage right now? Right now, uh, I have a uh, a G63, a new G-Wagon, which is great. The new redesign, finally they made it right. I've had several iterations of the G-Wagon over years. This one is finally drives like it should, like an S-Class. You know, they widened it, put the whole body suspension of the S-Class. It's got all the screens now. It's gorgeous. The interior is amazing, super fast. Um, I have a Dodge uh, Challenger Hellcat, which is really cool, really amazing. It's... um, it's great. It's destroyer gray. It's that, 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 that navy gray, that battleship gray. Um, I have a uh, 1967 Camaro SS, which is great. Uh, 26,000 original miles on that. Um, it's How do you
2: keep it at 26,000 original miles? Don't you want to drive it?
3: Well, I've driven it, but it had like 24,000 when I had it. So I drive it, but sparingly. That's got to be hard, though. I mean, because you want to take it to car shows or whatever. Of course. Of course. Yeah, I keep it. I keep it to myself, but yeah, no, I I do I do drive it. I I just like to look at it. I'm a big Matchbox car guy. I was, and then I was a Borrego car guy, you know, and then I you know, and then I moved up to full size cars. But uh, it's just fun to look at, you know. It's so pretty and nice, and so you know. Okay, so do you still have your Matchbox cars? I have them in storage. Yeah, I do. So so do I. Yeah, and I have a this. Not only are they in the cases, but the more valuable ones. Like, you know, like the Coupe de Villes and the Cadillacs. They made very rare, very few Cadillacs. But I grew up and my parents always had Cadillacs. So we had the, uh, we had like an 83 Eldorado Coupe, white, with tan. They had a a 78 uh, 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 Brome de Elegance Coupe, silver, the big one, the two-door. that was like the size of basically a small, you know, truck. Uh, And um, they made those. And I wrapped them in tissue. So they're in tissue in cases because so, if they got a scratch, I wouldn't want to play with it, you know?
2: Absolutely, I get you. No, yeah, that's yeah. kind of... Have you ever thought of displaying them?
3: I thought about it. Uh, one day I'm going to I'm gonna build... A goal for myself is to build a, a, uh, a hangar so where I can put all the cars and then have all the glass shelves for the, you know, for the Matchbox cars. And I have a bunch of Borrego cars too. Yeah, yeah so... Very good. Yep.
2: No, I like that. That's a pretty good thing there. So you have those. You have the cars in your garage. Is there any car you talked about having a bunch of different cars? Is there any car that you used to have that someday you'd like to get back? Kind of the one that got away. It
3: did. I had a '94 uh, Porsche Speedster, uh, that rare limited edition with the uh, cut windshield in the front, and it was red on black. It was a Tiptronic, which was super rare in '94. Had the red wheels, fully stocked. It was unbelievable, well ahead of its time, um, and I. I should have never gotten rid of that car. That car, th- that car is, first of all, is worth so much money today. It's unbelievable. I bought that car for sticker. Uh, it's worth probably four times that today. So I, I really, I kicked myself in the butt for getting rid of that car, dumb. And I also had a I I I had a 2003 uh, Alpina Z8, which was uh, silver over red. Again, automatic, super rare. That car, I got it for window, that car's worth, I mean, you know how much that car's worth now. So again, those two cars, Should have never sold those cars. So,
2: why did you sell those cars?
3: Dumb, you know. Got bored. Oh, I'll switch it out. Get something else. But you you look back and you go, those are those are collectors. You should never got rid of them. Where did you get your love of cars? I have no idea. My nobody in my family really shares that passion. But I, my mom was the one who told me at two, three years old. I could tell a car by a door handle or a back bumper. she they'd show me the rear corner of a car and I could tell you if it was a Chevy or a Ford or I could just tell them. And I was obsessed with cars ever since I can remember. I had no, I had no idea why. Okay.
2: Everybody has this, the list. The list of cars that one day you want to own. Now, everybody has 10. I'm not going to ask you for 10. I'll ask you for two. Two.
3: Um, I would like a Goldwing 55. Mercedes, I absolutely love that car. I had a buddy who just bought one. Um, you know, he, I got to work a lot to be able to. Afford, he just paid a million six for this car.
2: Wow, now that is completely
3: it is, original. It is completely original, navy over red with the luggage. It is unbelievable. So uh, ever since I saw Pillow Talk, and uh, there was a silver one in that, and that came out in '55, it was state of the art. Um, Tony Curtis, they let him drive it up, and it was uh, unbelievable. Anyway. Um, Breaking news! There is Joey Lawrence saw Pillow Talk. I did. I love that movie. Uh, great, great movie with the sh- with the shared lines and just a fantastic. They used to have party lines. It was unbelievable. we were in a condo, you know. You had to go. Hello, are you using the line? I'm sorry, uh, can you hang up so I can call someone? I mean, it was amazing time. You know. That's right. No, actually, phones were like that back in the day. That's I how mean, right? Like. R- they 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 couldn't put fifty lines in a building. They could put like eight, and everybody had to share. Incredible. Anyway, yeah, brilliant. You know, Cary Grant, just an amazing movie. Um, but that car for sure is on my bucket list. I really want to get one. I've always wanted one of those, and um, and then I I I want um a um I want a sixty uh uh three, vet. That's what I want, and I don't know why, but that year for some reason I just want that, and I also want the GT five hundred, the must the Mustang. I want a GT five hundred, so I want a sixty three vet, and I want a sixty three and a sixty seven GT five hundred. Sixty
2: three vet because of the split window. Yes,
3: or? that's my favorite. Yeah. My, my, my friend Tony has a ha, always had one when I was growing up, you know. Uh, he was my friend's dad, and um, i just assessed that car. I always wanted him to sell it to me. He still has it. He never sold it to me, but. Well, maybe you could, like, a, maybe, maybe
2: you're time. still working on him, right? Still working on him.
3: Every yeah. time I see him. I see that. Yeah, see yeah, it.
2: yeah. Best car you've ever had in any role or movie or anything like that?
3: I have yet to have a really amazing car in a role, but I'm... I'm determined to make that happen at some point. So. Okay, so they're bringing back Miami Vice. So, um,
2: you got your name in for that?
3: Heck yeah, man. And um, so whatever iteration of the Testarossa or whatever the heir apparent to the Testarossa um, that they put in that, that, you know, that's my goal is to drive that in that car
2: actor joey lawrence hey thanks for listening and if you like our show let me know on social media and please share our show on twitter facebook and instagram and also subscribe that way you know when a new episode's coming up it's absolutely free leave a comment and if you're on itunes rate us and review us thanks in advance for helping our podcast grow our website is talkingaboutcars.net until next time i'm randy curdoon join me as we have some fun talking about cars